0: it's margot tantow here welcome to windowsill chats a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious i am so glad you're here i've spent decades working with artists and being one myself i've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made how to put oneself out there and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Listeners, I am so glad you're here today. If you are finding us for the first time, welcome. And if you're finding your way back, well, I'm certainly glad you are here. I have a treat today. I had the most captivating conversation with Marcus H., the creative director and co-founder of El Extraordinario. And, you know, I just love people and their paths. I imagine you have figured that out by now. And I always love meeting new people. I think we could have just kept talking because there's so many questions I had about how Marcus got to where he is. Let me tell you a little bit about Marcus. In his words, as I mentioned, he's the co-founder and creative director of El Extraordinario, which is an award-winning creative outfit specializing in audio fiction and podcasts based in Madrid, Spain. They make timeless, long-form content with high production values and a strong emphasis on sound design. They look more to music record labels like XL Recordings as an inspiration for creating their podcasts rather than traditional podcasting. And most importantly, in spite of covering highbrow themes, they don't take themselves too seriously. Marcus was born in Milan to a Spanish mother and English father. And having grown up in places like Hong Kong, Mexico City, Caracas, Milan, and Cambridge, Marcus was immensely lucky to have a multilingual and cross-cultural upbringing, which has made him quite skeptical of Anglo-Saxon cultural dominance. And, you know, I just think this really comes across. I love a traveled personality, whether that be actual traveled or books or interests or whatever, you know, somebody that kind of gets out of their own way. And certainly Marcus's upbringing took him to many interesting places and put him in front of many interesting people along the way. And he mentioned after we chatted that this was a great opportunity to reflect on his career something that we don't all get to do very often. So we really dig in. And you can find El Extraordinario at elextraordinario.com. And they do most of their podcasting in Spanish, certainly. And they look very interesting, but I am not fluent. However, their podcast, Bloom, is an award-winning podcast. And it's just fascinating how they've done it and who they've collaborated with. We talk a lot about collaboration. And you can listen to Bloom because it has been translated into English. Just search for B-L-U-M Bloom on wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, and you can listen to it too. It's absolutely fascinating. And we really get into a lot about how that unfolded and the success of his business and collaborations in general. As we all do, Marcus has much more to his story, and I think you will find it fascinating. I am so glad that you found your way here, Marcus. It's a it's an honor. I'm looking really forward to this conversation.
1: Oh, I'm super happy to have this chat with you, Margot. And from I love the fact that you're in the coast in some island in near Seattle, and I'm in some weird beach in the middle of nowhere in Almeria in Spain, and was, we're able to chat. So I know it sounds obvious, but it still fascinates me. No matter how uh, that we can do this,
0: you're right. It really does. I love kind of asking where, where people are and what they're doing and just imagining that in my head. So I would love to know, obviously, people are wondering, how did you get to a beach in Spain? Who is this person? Tell us a little bit about your path and your creative background and how it's gotten you here. I know that's a massive question, but if you could kind of give us some highlights, that would be great.
1: Sure. 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 Maybe focus on a little bit on my creative background so it doesn't get too... Uh... Not that it's that interesting, but just it could be extensive. But um, so um, I live in Spain. I, I I grew up in many different countries. My father is a, a journalist who lived in, he worked for a news agency and we moved around. You know, we lived in Hong Kong, Caracas, uh, um, Washington, uh, London, Milan, mm. et cetera, et cetera. But um, let's say when I finished college in the UK in 2005, uh, my mother's Spanish, and I have a big connection with Spain. And I felt like I wanted to try out living in Spain, Great. so I finished my last exam uh, and moved literally three days afterwards to Spain.
0: Mm.
1: And new um, country, different culture. Obviously, a culture I know, I speak the language, but I'd never lived here. Um, and uh, quickly, I got a job as an intern in a trade mag covering advertising, mm. so as a sort of journalist there. And one could probably say, well, you know, if you don't know the trade mag of business, you would think, oh, it sounds a bit boring. But actually, these places are quite interesting because um, you have a lot of access mm-hmm. to people and you're in the deep end straight away. Like often when they tell journalists, go work at a local paper instead of going just straight to a big paper, because like from the next day, you're pretty much going to be out there doing stuff. And in my case, the fact that I spoke English meant that I was sent to interview a lot of super interesting people. So I don't know, Chris Anderson, the editor of Wired, would be in town. I'd get sent to interview him. And a lot of people actually want to speak to trade mags in advertising because there's a financial interest. They said, well, if someone picks me up there, it could lead to business. So you end up having pretty good access considering this magazine was maybe read by 10,000 people. So so that was a cool cool way to actually be a journalist, but learn about advertising learn about this little thing called creativity, which um, uh, creative directors sometimes try to appropriate to advertising rather unfairly. We'll let Mm -hmm. them off. But um, it does, you know, following it, seeing what they do did lead me to learn a lot about um, using creativity to, you know, I know people get hung, up. oh, you're selling this or that, you're selling cars. But no, but there's more to it than that. And I mean, yeah. there's actual real, the good creativity can be mesmerizing. Um, for example, at that time, we also interviewed, I don't know if you remember, Alex Boguski, this mm. amazing creative director from the States. Um, so anyway, you start learning from there. And uh, after a couple of years, we decided, uh, a couple of people who were working there, we decided to jump ship and create our own thing. And instead of doing a a mag just focused on advertising, we decided to do a magazine covering creativity as a whole.
0: Mm, Uh, Nice jump.
1: A good uh, maybe reference point could be something like Fast Company uh, meets Creative Review in London, but more focused on illustration, creativity, and also that frustration. Like, why are we just talking about creativity in advertising? Let's just talk about creativity in general. What was it called? It was called Yorokobu, Yorokobu, which means to be happy in Japanese.
0: Mm.
1: And um, we, you know, put a lot of attention to the design. Each each um, front cover was done by a different artist, a different lettering. And funnily enough, people were st- starting to sort of say that pr- uh, print was going into decline.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and we decided to invest actually in a print product and a really nicely designed print product. And it worked mm-hmm. um, at first. And also what happened at the time is that this thing called branded content, this was from, you know, around about 2010, mm. started to become a real thing. And so people would say, oh, we love how that magazine you do. Why don't you do this magazine for us? So we mm-hmm. got a project with an airline called Welling, a big airline, which would be something like the JetBlue of uh, low-cost okay. airlines in yep. Europe. We did their in-flight mag. And from there, we built wow. a whole business doing branded content. Oh, so, um What's interesting about those 10 years I spent there is that when I compare the career, my my father's career, for example, in media, you know, he was in a news agency for 35 years. He would get sent to different places, but essentially the essence of his job was the same, Mm -hmm. writing good copy, good headlines, connecting, uh, you know, with their readers on the wire. Whereas in my case, yes, we did a print mag, but a year into it, we created a blog, which worked very well. From there we started doing animations, Facebook, then we had to learn how to, how to handle the you know Twitter, Instagram, we did a lot of stuff on Instagram. And so now in, in a 10 year time scale, you know, what I knew at the beginning compared to what I knew in the end was
0: completely different.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, I think it just goes to show sort of the speed uh, at which we move, which is sometimes good and sometimes not so great. Um,
0: exactly. Well, and you were right at the beginning of many of those things, where I would say your timing was, you know, if you were kind of doing that in 2010, where you're right. Branding, personal branding was really the buzz. Blogs were still in that um, early stages of they were starting to have advertisers and really brand themselves in a different way and everybody was looking at them. And then Twitter and social media and all those things to be at that side of it must have been really oh uh, well, there's lots of words that come to mind but fascinating interesting you know never a dull moment but then you were you were probably leading the way and and making decisions that were affecting many things creatively and i what an exciting place to be
1: yeah and the blog and actually one i'm not much of a i don't like nostalgia much but the periods where blogs really worked were yeah. wonderful yeah. Uh, and what we did we took an approach when we got into blogging, people – it was very much a personal thing, so a bit amateurish, which is not mm-hmm. a bad thing. Right. And since we were professional journalists, we said, hey, why don't we do, like, really, like, professional blog, like, reporting? Mm-hmm. And, and it worked for a while. You know, worked mm-hmm. for a while. So, right. you know, Facebook started, you know, monopolizing everything. Uh, before having that interaction, all those readers. It also – you develop a thick skin because you mm-hmm. get – you get insults you get uh oh, yeah. people saying oh, you're working you know you've been working on something for a week and saying, you work is shit yeah but you also learn to sort of that it's it's a it, i think the blog culture was a good training for what happens now
0: mm-hmm. I think
1: those who we were able to navigate that time with social media now were a little bit more like whatever it's just it's as right. if you're on tv and someone in a bar says that guy i hate how that guy looks who is that guy i don't even know him right i uh, big deal just do what you do you know and uh,
0: well I think journalists entering into anything like that blogging or podcast as you do um, I think there's so much to that some of my very favorite and most fascinating things that I listen to are journalist based because the diving in and digging around and finding things and tying things together and and you know saying it with in a more colorful interesting way that's just it's a gift that I don't feel like I have. I mean, I have a lot of creative vision to tie things together, but the words get stuck behind some filter in my brain. So I highly admire the way you do that and, and the way you've connected it in your life.
1: That's that's a wonderful thing about journalism. There's other things which I think for journalists that jump into creativity are not so good that sometimes journalists can take themselves fussy too seriously. Mm. I think creative you need to be and and sometimes they're not a lot of journalists don't have much aesthetic sort of um they're not really into aesthetics and Mm. I think it's sort of almost like something uh you know like secondary um that can be changed and in my case that that what helped me was working on the magazine with a great art director he was Mm. my teacher he was someone who taught me about composition about photography about choosing illustration and all that and so being able to meld that all together uh gave me you know a sort of different way to do things and what you said about journalism there's bad things about journalists, but one great thing is the ability to dive into something new Mm -hmm. so you can apply that to if you work with a client or brand you receive a brief and as a journalist a journalist often needs to be trained to talk about like if i'm covering i don't know seattle one day maybe i've got to talk about the uh, uh the, the strike of um, trash strike, and mm-hmm. I've got to read about how does the trash system work. How does this and that? And you, in a few days, you need to study it, mm. and that can be applied. And that's just great. And you, you know how to synthesize, and you know how to organize, and 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 learn what's important,
0: what's not important, and yeah. you know, and all of that is a great skill to have. Um, it really is. It 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 trickles down in so many places in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But I think obviously you're. I mean i I think journalism is very creative, certainly, but there's different ways. As you say, I, I, I think of a teacher I had in high school who, to me, I mean, he was a writer, he was a journalist, he was a storyteller, and he always wore, you know, secondhand kind of faded um corduroy jackets and like he would have scoffed at well he did he loved to make fun of us the art girls you know <laughs> but he was the best and it was i loved learning from him as well and he just had such great stories but i just feel like obviously to dive into the magazine and to pull that that crew together and where i can see it now with your website it's so highly creative it's just that delicious next level, you're paying attention. Um, and that's come along with, you know, I think in life, what are we interested in? What's happening around us? How are we tying it together? So creatively, you might not be giving yourself quite enough credit. <laughs> it's <laughs> You definitely surround yourself with some beautiful creative things. And I'd love to get my hands on one of those magazines. I'll have to poke around and see what I can I'll find. See if I can
1: get one. Yeah, it's sort of a little bit in the past, I, I've sort mm. of looked for it, but um, I can I can send one to you.
0: Sure, mm, so, that would be that would be yeah. very fascinating. No. it
1: was a lot of fun. Um, and also the time where people were sort of ignoring it, suddenly mm. we realized: okay, it's not a great business model anymore. Mm-hmm. But brands, on the other yeah. hand, came to us saying, "Hey, we, we we like the quality print for our." So basically, we do for a hotel company and for an airline. And it, I did. We learned what I learned there was the importance. Uh, as a, if you ha- have your own creative shop of having your own product, mm-hmm. just like, I guess in some ways, this for you is a sort of your own product, your own mm-hmm. uh, also fun where you learn. So when you sit down with someone, you're not just someone who does like services for, for someone right. uh, where, where they, they'll, they'll, they'll say, okay, I'm going to ask for a budget from 10 different uh, creative shops. And they just, they don't really have a name. They don't have a product. When you have a magazine or in our case, when we have our own podcasts, it allows us to sit down and they look at you in a different way. Very um, much so, They see you as something more than just, Oh, this is someone who's going to uh, a, a good simile would be someone who's just going to fix my windows. And like, mm. I don't know if I focus my, like, are they going to do it on time? Is it going to be cheap? And that's that when you have something else, it changes the relationship and the way they talk to you and the way they and allows you also to usually get a better price as well which is important
0: true very true i it as well did a lot of magazine work before you know before all this existed in the way it does now and and you would gain um people would look at me and the information i was putting out in a different way because it was represented in something they could hold in their hands they thought oh she must be, well, say an expert, air quotes, right? An expert or she knows what she's doing because she's in print or she did this, you know, visually styled it or whatever. And I always found that so interesting because you could literally see it happen. Um, But great, if it's going to lead to the next project or the next company you're working with, that's that's just part of the path.
1: Yeah, rather than just being... Well, this is the thing with other industries, sometimes, for example, friends who are architects or movie makers, you know, so often they can spend so long waiting for someone to give them the opportunity to do something. Mm. And that for me would be quite frustrating, it's, whereas with, you know, magazine or you know, drawing or painting, you can just sort of, you don't really have to ask permission. Right. Um, but from that reflection, that was what led us to, when we created our podcasting uh, yeah. publishing house, that led us to actually um raise money not a huge mm-hmm. amount of money mm-hmm. just with one of those objectives was raising money so we can create our own products so we can have our own identity and we can mm-hmm. build a brand a long term you know which has a long-term um perspective and so how long now, have
0: you been doing that
1: so the magazine uh did the that pod- talk about it yeah yeah, did that for about 11 years. Uh, COVID came, uh, a lot of decisions mm-hmm. had to be made, uh, a lot of payrolls, a lot of issues. The company's still going, it's here. And I just realized it was four business partners and me and my wife and other two people. And we just realized it was time to to move on. Yeah. And um, so we were super privileged to have be able to take six months off, uh, come down here to Almeria to the beach, and just rethink what we're doing mm. have a really long deep think long walks on there's these beautiful beaches here which are sort of seven, ten kilometers long uh, and on those perfect. walks what do we take with us
0: right Vodcast.
1: yes uh and so suddenly listening to this and thinking wow like there's some there's some really interesting stuff being done not much it was still fairly indeed but there was stuff being stuff going on in latin america and we we're listening to a lot in spanish because that's our so the market where we we focus mainly and you realize, oh and and also we were really frustrated for the last few years. I'd managed the our Instagram account and the previous magazine, which worked really well, which generated cash, but it was very frustrating. You'd spend hours and hours curating, looking for amazing artists, you'd feature them, you'd do these, um, uh, and then you're chasing and then finish, and then you're chasing the next likes yeah. and likes. And after a year or two, you say, Okay, I've got loads of likes, but what is actually what have I actually built? Right. Uh not much, not right. much. It goes and away,
0: and you have to do it again and again and again. Yeah,
1: and you're not really working for for anyone else than Mr. Zuckerberg in the end. Right. You know, right? It's hey, true. Hey, good for him. He, but and uh, I think was, there was a, listening to this and realizing, also studying and realizing that podcasting still isn't very algorithmic. Mm-hmm. Uh, going mm-hmm. Back to the days of uh, the blogs, which are very yes. much about RSS and once so dependent.
0: Yeah, say, that's a good wow. point. I haven't really, really talked to anybody about that, but like, don't say it out loud. <laughs> you know, but it's very true. It's not very algorithmic yet. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And that means that you're not, although the algorithm, for example, with Spotify and, and for example, if you're sure. releasing a podcast once a week, it does help. There is a lot of human curation. There is a lot of recommendations. It is still, and that to me will, and a lot of the content is evergreen. Mm-hmm. It's very much about, So, certain things I did three years ago are still, you know, in a month can have 10,000 listens, one specific episode. And that is so amazing after chasing clicks with blog posts, after chasing Mm. uh, likes on Instagram, suddenly feeling like, wow, um, just to move at our own speed. It doesn't mean you're disconnected from the world, but you're not so beholden. Right. to this uh, this sort of algorithmic craziness.
0: That's a really interesting point. And it, it's true, you can, and like you said, you were walking along those beaches and, and we are listening to, to things when we're doing that. And I feel like that's one of the things that keeps it more relevant is you can suggest something to someone or someone can trip over and find you and say, oh, I'm gonna cruise through here and listen to that. But in a magazine, they have to have, you know, maybe sixteen issues back and know what page to look on, and it's just not going to happen. It's already filed away, you know.
1: So that's definitely definitely. Also, the the beautiful thing about podcasting as well, it doesn't. You don't have to sit down like with you know a series on Netflix or even a magazine. You don't have doesn't have to have your undivided attention nowadays. Are mm-hmm. pretty busy. Uh, so you can go for a long walk and it, it accompanies you. Yeah. It's not all-encompassing. You, your brain is doing some of the work as well, um, yeah. so you feel like you're doing the work as well. And it's just amazing mm-hmm. to be able to sort of, okay, I'm doing some sport, but at the same time I'm learning, I'm, I'm I'm, sort of expanding my horizons.
0: So tell us what you decided to create then.
1: So from there we realized oh, oh, my God, this is really like an interesting medium, podcasting. And from listening to a lot of what was going on, we found that most of it was conversational podcasts. So, you know, the best example would be uh, Joe Rogan or a good example would be what you do, which is mm-hmm. a, a great medium. I, I love it. I, I listen to a lot of conversational podcasts. But there wasn't that much of more uh, sort of documentary style, fiction, mm-hmm. uh, things coming out, but it was very much, you know, once every two months. And we thought, well, you know, this medium is getting more professional. More people want to listen to it, and people are going to want to combine what we thought. Just like people love watching YouTube, but then they also subscribe to Netflix or HBO. We felt like more and more people were going to want high um, production, you know, uh, podcasts with high production values. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what we did was we created El Audio with that sort of intent. And we got funding to be able to create our own programs. Uh, and with those programs, obviously, drive up interest and business. And um, not long into our, into creating out an idea, we were able to get in touch with, it. this is the nice thing, when you leave somewhere and when you leave a company you created, sometimes you think, oh, my God, I'm going to be alone. What's going to happen? And then suddenly all that network, all those amazing relationships you built in the past, some of them come back. So it's like, yes, good. Great. You know, the car comes back and, And we bumped into this client and she's like, oh, you're doing podcasting. Uh, Oh, why don't you come see me? I always like to do new things. And we came in and said, why don't we do with a really simple idea? Why don't we do a fiction set in Switzerland? Uh, At first we thought maybe a murder mystery. And the only thing like your product is basically going to be everywhere because it's set there. And we'll do it with a great screenwriter. And she said, very quickly said yes because we'd worked with her many times and there was a, g- a great relationship. And that led us to create Blue, mm-hmm. which has probably been our most successful podcast, which is a, an audio thriller based in Switzerland, which we launched in Spain about a year after the launching mm-hmm. of the and which yes. we have now translated into English. So Yes,
0: um- I'm so glad. I, I want all of your things translated <laughs> into English. Mm-hmm. I wish there was a way. I love it because it's captivating from... Basically, you know, the first second, you're wondering, if you listen to podcasts, you're wondering, wait a minute, this seems a little different. What am I listening to? The actress's voice is very easy to listen to. And the sound, even when you just start, your little El Extraordinario said in two different ways is so nice. And the music, of course, haunting and discordant. So that gets you. But you, it's one of those things where there's certain podcasts that you listen to that you're thinking, oh gosh, well, I have to take a shower. I'm going to take that with me. And oh gosh, when can I get, you know, you just don't want to stop. So I'm so glad it was successful enough that you decided that it could be translated as well.
1: Uh, that's, that's great. I mean, the beauty of it for for a, a creator, for all of us who work in this and who'd like to do projects with brands is that this is one of the first, I've done others, but one of the first projects I've done with a brand where I feel like, wow, like everything has been in service of the product itself like there has Mm. been no often it's like oh we've got to compromise and make it worse to please Mm. the brand in this case it's been like total understanding of each other saying just think about the listener forget about oh but he's got to mention this because our brand book says but no 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 just oh that's huge and that for us was like so and and that also helps for it to work because people are smart enough nowadays not one in 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 spain it's 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 gone very well it's, it's it's won awards not one person has complained oh my god uh, this is sponsored by a brand people don't absolutely don't care not on the contrary a lot of them have said after listening to it how much they want to go to switzerland actually mm-hmm. we recently received a tweet of, of a girl who was listening to to it on us for a second time while she was traveling in switzerland so, oh my gosh um, so it just, just goes to show that often this kind of it's a brand this separation is like you know in the end and we're not inventing anything other people have done it before but in the end it's more like two production companies getting together creating something amazing and then obviously one of the production companies the benefit is that they're switzerland mm-hmm. and that <laughs> people have listened to it are listening to things going on in switzerland for three hours and are learning they're learning about art in switzerland they're learning and so everybody's happy we've got resources to do a good fiction Their their brand is happy and um podcasting still you know we, we continue to Explore this opportunity because there is not that much fiction and podcasting yet.
0: No, there's not, right? I
1: mean, there's there's stuff, but it's there's so much to do. There, I feel like
0: it feels untapped. Exactly. Yeah, and it I just started. It, it just did, and and I again, here you are, I'm doing it so well, but without a lot of competition, which is great. And I really love the fact that this that bloom kind of transpired out of knowing someone saying hey we're doing this thing that lovely person happened to be connected to just the right thing for you but to think about it that way you know it's switzerland i can't wait to you know i what's next who's next what mm-hmm. other brand then because of all the success that bloom has had i'm sure other brands if they're paying attention are thinking how can we do this? And I, I really love that you felt like you had kind of carte blanche or you worked together so well that you didn't have that brief that tripped you up. That's, that's exciting. Definitely. Definitely.
1: And obviously here again, it's um, how many amazing ideas are written on a piece of paper or in a drawer. I mean, we all have great, amazing ideas, but it's part of it is also getting it done. So it was just, having a really talented and smart client, being able to uh, just realize. Uh, I guess with the sort of the freedom, she has a lot of, which is probably a good testament to the way Switzerland runs its tourism. As the leader of tourism of Switzerland in Spain and Portugal, she just has a hell of a lot of freedom, basically, mm-hmm. like, you know, obviously, like, she's got a report, but, and that's a good thing as well, knowing the market and just being able to say, you know what, let, let, let's let do it. Let's go for it. Well, what are the real risks? I mean, often the risks are, are overstated.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. um,
1: and nowadays you do need to do, at least what I liked about the way she works is that every year or two, she wants to do something new. So I think that's a really good way to make decisions. Nice. And also helps, the nice thing, people who haven't worked for brands, sometimes they're a bit snooty, they're a bit snobbish. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool things about if you work for interesting brands is that they force you to try new stuff. They s- often force you to, so like you're like, ah, oh, I don't want to do anything on TikTok, and, and I don't spend that much on TikTok. But sometimes they force me to do it, and then right. you, they want to be there, and that allows you to learn and progress, and not sort of stay uh, um, stuck in your ways.
0: It's true. It's a great way to do it. It's like being back in school when you had a you know a certain assignment that you something you never would have tackled if it wasn't an assignment, but then you grew from it and you learned and it was, you know, interesting or not. But mm-hmm. so translating it into English, was that a decision based on the fact that it had done so well and it's tourism based, your brand was probably thinking, well, let's expand our reach. How did that kind of come to be?
1: Yeah. Well, that, that was the, exactly after doing, so in one, uh, a few awards in Spain and it won, there's one called the Ondas, which is sort of the Oscars of audio. And so that, uh, for the client was, you know, Hey, we've got something here and it, it got a lot of free press, which was great. So it, we, we, we had a conversation and we thought, why don't we give it a go? And she client Sandra, she had a, uh, a talk with her, uh, her contacts in the central office. And she was able to basically convince them. So, I mean, that that's also the merit of, again, a, a very motivated, I don't even like to call them client, it sounds, uh, but, you know, a very motivated person who really wants to, like, do good work. And she sees the opportunity to, hey, this has worked. It's true that there's always a risk, like, just because it worked in Spain, mm. it might not work in, in an Anglo-Saxon world. But one thing about the story is that it's quite universal. It's not really you know, it's not really focused so much on a particular cultural aspect of Spain. It's more, it's a Human story interest. That... Exactly.
0: I would wonder too, though, if you're, if you're so invested in, attached to, used to hearing that story told a certain way, first of all, you imagine it, you write it, imagine it in your mind, then you hear it because of the actors you've chosen. And then you have to hear it all over again with a different set of actors what was that like did you did you look for people that would have that same kind of voice or how ha- i'm fascinated by that process
1: well i think manuel and carmen the the main writers of the the story the creators of the story i think they had an amazing time with that because they flipped out it was like giving it a second life it, yeah. was, it wasn't It was a sort of mechanic and boring adaptation it was very much oh my god it, yes it's the same story but like it's just like i'll give you an example My my wife says i'm a different person when i'm I'm half English half Spanish. My mm-hmm. wife says, I'm different when I speak to people in English to when I speak mm-hmm. to people in Spanish. It's like I have two personalities. <laughs> huh. So in some ways, it's the same for them. It was, yeah. uh, so one of the things we had to look for was we wanted the protagonist to be, have an American accent. because mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously the, the American market is important for, for Switzerland, but at the same time have English characters. And for them, I think it was, they just loved hearing their characters are having a new life it's the same mm. character but it's different because you know he speaks someone from london whereas before it was someone from spain and um and also the translation was very much i i didn't uh, along with one other person i did most of the translation oh, wow and it was very much about saying it out loud repeating it to ourselves how does this sound does it make sense and uh but at the same time really trying to respect the essence of. Uh, of the, of the story. So it's wow. been, we had a blast doing it, that! Um, but it was very difficult in the casting process because the director, uh, Manuel and Carmen, you know, the English is not their first language. So they wanted actors who were native in English, but could speak good Spanish. So they could direct them as Spanish. Oh, wow. Complicated things a little bit more. Um, but anyway, we, we did it in the end.
0: Well, yes, you chose well, I think. And there's a, if you go on, you have to say it for me, el extraordinario. Spanish mm-hmm. is not my second language <laughs> or first or fifth. But your Instagram has a great clip of the American actress, or I'm not sure if she's American, but her, her accent is very American, reading this part that's so, it's very intense. And it looks like she's acting it, which of course she is because she needs to be in it. But it's, it's fascinating to think about that again, as a podcast format, as a brand building tool, like all of that wrapped into one. It's really, it's really interesting. I
1: think the beauty of it is it's very different. So sometimes we get certain agencies that come and they're very much thinking like in a time frame, as if there was a sort of a spot or something and they're, let's get together, let's bounce off ideas and let's, and then could this be done in three months? And it's like, wait up, wait up, wait up, wait up. this yeah. is not like there are other types of products that you could maybe do, but this is like making a movie
0: mm-hmm.
1: without obviously, uh, you know, having to go on set and all this, but it's the same process. And no yeah. one is ever going to, no producer is going to say, we're going to make a movie in, in two months, three months. It just nobody would even, because it's impossible. No, so this it's going to succeed. Like you yeah. need a minimum nine, eight, seven, eight, nine months. So yeah. I think um, it's, you need to, it's, you need to change convince them to change the way they work and to be open to say and so far we've we've managed it but sometimes you've got to just be stunned like I'm sorry you just can't do it that way it's not gonna uh, because it's a different type of process a different type of story
0: well and you hopefully can cons- well like we were saying with the magazine work you've come to me because you're interested in working on something like this you've seen success you have to we have some rules you have to play by you know you have to fit
1: Unfortunately, yeah, you've got to be, um, uh, and I think in, in life, it's all about being, um, in Spanish, you would say elegante, being elegant, being, um, you know, uh, polite and being, but at the same time, having these ground rules because we've all learned. So for example, I can even criticize myself when I started with a magazine, I was only in my mid twenties, working with designers and illustrators, not really understanding how they work. And learning to be more much more flexible and to give them time and also how you communicate with them Mm -hmm. Um, and to give them breathing room and understand and respect their process. And these are things you learn. And the more Mm -hmm. and more you learn, then you apply to yourself and you apply to others. You can't just come and say, so listen, you know, unless it's, it's fuck you money and you can't just come I need you to do this in two days. Like it just doesn't work like that. And, and, and that's uh, like something I really learned in those years Mm -hmm. of, Talking to this person, not making them creative people feel pressured, even if then there's a deadline, but just doing it in a more in a soft
0: approach. Well, not everybody gets that. So, you know, you're the type of people the best type to work with, because I think there's a lot of funny memes floating around about that, you know, I need this tomorrow. And (laughs) there's there's no way I used to work with someone who you, who would say can't you just push a button i know when i you know I, when i'm in the china office they just push a button and it happens i'm like oh well yeah i, lo- yes. I love
1: one meme where it's uh, when the client asks for one last change and it's a guy like with a drip mechanism and he's on his computer in the hospital or, <laughs> um, exactly
0: yeah. exactly so starting out though with this platform and this company you didn't. Did you have this client right away, or did you really start with your own things and then she came along shortly Pretty thereafter? Much right away. Okay.
1: Uh, obviously, that wasn't enough to like put the lights on. So sure. we were we were quite lucky. Again, these these networks that you create where when when you leave somewhere and you're tired and you feel in some ways like I'm leaving the company I founded not in Mm. the best circumstances, Mm. and thinking, am I giving it away? And then one day you wake up and maybe they need the company more than I do. Mm. And then suddenly realizing, oh, my God, I've got all this network of people who still want to work with me and you take with you. Um, So something quite interesting happened. We were in a bit of a daze, like, what are we going to do? And my wife bumped into an old friend Mm. who was working with um, an art collection in Madrid called Colección Solo which is run by um, a couple They They have their business people, but he has a very interesting background. I don't know if you know a cartoon called Pocoyo. Pocoyo.
0: I think so. It's super super well-known. I have known. an image in my mind of it.
1: It was a super popular show cartoon for under five-year-olds. Okay. And he he was the creator of this. Great. From with the BBC. So he... Um, he puts money in artists, so mm. young artists and allows them to develop, but also he puts money into interesting projects that, that come along. And through this friend, and we knew him as well, we already knew him. Um, they found out that we were sort of basically, you know, thinking of our next steps and, and we, we'd, we'd left our previous company. And they said, well, you know, we love the stuff you do. We like, uh, we love everything you've done in the past. Why don't you come to us with a, with a project and if we like it, we'll we'll help you put it together.
0: Nice.
1: So, I mean, I'm, we were very, like. I'm not saying this is like, this is sort of the dream scenario. I, I don't right. want people to think um, it's necessarily, it's always going to be this way. But again, it's our previous network and, our, and everything coming together. So we did this research and we went to them saying, listen, this is what's going on in podcasting. This is going to be big. It's going to be interesting. And we want to focus on this. And I think, um, and we were inspired also by, uh, labels like XL recordings, which
0: yeah. they
1: sort of less, they take a less is more approach. Mm-hmm. So they release, they don't release too many artists a year, maybe three or four. They're eclectic. So mm-hmm. they don't just say they do a lot of independent stuff, but suddenly they release Adele. Right. Um, you know, they're open minded They're just looking for interesting and they don't give up on their artists. So I, love I love that. You know, like the, the record, the traditional record industries is a famous sort of, uh, I think it was, uh. Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins, he had an Mm -hmm. interview with Joe Rogan, and he's telling them how the label system just makes mincemeat of you. You know, you release your third album, you sold 20 million, and then if the next one you sold the half, for them it's a failure. It's like, what kind of crazy world do we live in? Exactly. Uh,
0: There's not a lot of staying power in some of those bigger companies at all.
1: Exactly, exactly. So with their help, we were able to create a really small dynamic structure. Like our idea was with this structure, we should be able to do to be self-sufficient, but that doesn't mean we can't work with other people. Mm. So we hired a sound designer, a really good sound designer. We hired um, a person who's sort of an expert in strategy and metrics. And then it was me and and my wife, Ma. So it was was four people. But with those four people, we were more or less able to do whatever we we wanted. Mm. And so a small team, uh, everyone can do a lot with those four people yeah. and start small and from there, take it from there. Um, we In our previous company, we'd been, you know, maybe 30 people at one point. And that was also difficult for a creative shop sometimes because you're sort of yeah. suddenly in this, I need to make payroll, I need to make payroll. And then you're taking projects that you don't like. Right. And I think we got into that without really designing it properly in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. well, you can get there, but if you get there, it's good that you design the structure and the way you work and the clients you take on to eventually get there rather than it just happening. And you suddenly saying, Oh my God, uh, what is happening? You know what? This unpleasant unpleasant and this isn't fun.
0: Yeah. So, oh, it um, sounds like you did it just right. And how fortuitous, I mean, you know, it is about the connections we make along the way and you, you've lived a lot of places. It's that, you know, we have them for so many ways, but I feel like when you put yourself out there in a creative way, that's bold and, um, kindly and confident. And at the same time, I mean, you're, you, you certainly come across as somebody who would be great to work with, um, leaves room for everybody to do what they do best. Then that next project, certainly you learn things along the way. We don't want as, as big of a, collection of people as we don't had before we don't need to start that way oh goodness this contact is asking us what we'd like to do let's lean into that why not and then you have you know a platform I started this I mean I thought about it for a long time because I was hearing about podcasts um but it was in the middle of COVID and you know I'm here on this island and I just thought what do I need to do it I didn't even I didn't even realize I could get an editor when I started. And for those of you listening, I, my editor, Katie, is, I couldn't, it wouldn't happen without her. So there are people that make a team where a product wouldn't show up the same way. But I love that you have sound always was so important and you thought about what can we build and what can we create and put out in the world that's going to be interesting and bite sized. And then these opportunities started to happen because of how you were already showing up in the creative space with the work you'd done before. And, and El Extraordinario has, there's a lot that you have when you go to your website, there's a lot of interesting things to listen to. And I just, is that a continued goal? Do you work on things all the time? Are you looking for different brands to help kind of what's your plan?
1: Yeah. Good question. So obviously like at first we did have it planned out like this, you know, having good sound design, it wasn't something, Oh, work it out along the way all those months of research and 12 years of having another company and seeing the things you don't like suddenly you've got an opportunity to start from zero and like apply everything in a short space of time and that's just amazing and with the sound it was it was sort of researching podcasting and seeing that for me this kind of podcast we wanted to do sound designers were like developers if you're starting an app would never like start an app without developers. Right. a well, sound company needs a shit hot sound design. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that that came from there. And in terms of the plan, our idea was very much that. So create our own products, our own shows that we really love. And we, and also shows that don't. So we do seasons of six to eight to 10 episodes. So we put a lot of love, a lot of time into that work, mm-hmm. knowing that that's how we can compete as small players. Mm-hmm. We can compete with, Less is more. We can compete creating shows where you put in, you know, for a half an hour episode, I can put in four or five months. That doesn't mean I'm not doing other stuff, but it's, I've got the time. And so that's where you stand out because Mm -hmm. you've got the time. I wouldn't be able to compete with others if I was doing 20 or 30 podcasts a month. No. Uh, And also looking for interesting, you know, that, that, that side of being curious. So one of the podcasts, um, i do is with an archaeologist and the interesting thing about this archaeologist is that he uses archaeology to study contemporary culture oh so what we do is we talk about history and we'll talk about ceramics in the 16th century coming over from china but then we'll compare it with contemporary obsession with air jordans
0: Uh, oh my gosh how fascinating
1: so for example uh, chineros are the um, the furniture that was built for ceramics, which are these glass cabinets. We say chineros in Spanish. I can't remember how you say it in English. And um, we Instagram is the glass cabinet for Air Jordans. So this is the kind of relations <laughs> we were able to make yeah. with his amazing knowledge. Also, he has historical knowledge. He's excavated in Africa. And then with him, I give it some quirky storytelling. And... These are the kinds of shows you can make. You can come up with your own theories and reflections because we're not doing it too much. Because we're spending months and months and months on this. Right. Just like, you know, if you follow some of these amazing YouTubers that have these sort of long video essays, that would be, and they release maybe one a month.
0: Yeah. That's the sort of
1: philosophy took as well.
0: I love that. And I feel like with um, episodes, you can... You know, if you do, say, a series of six, then you can dig in. You can really spend the time you want to on that. And then it can be done. You know, mine is one every week. But I tend to really love those where it captures me. You know, I love it if there's like 15 because then I can really get into something. But I know, right? But but then you can change your mind, too. You can shift to a different thing. That goes to me along with that journalistic background where it's I I need a different story I'm interested in this now I'm going to go research that so
1: and brand wise I think for example in this one I did with the archaeologist we did a bonus track
0: Mm. with Ikea
1: recently
0: I saw that that I I wished (laughs) that I really want to listen to that one I'm gonna have to see if I can translate it
1: yeah, so this is the fun thing that these programs because they're quite quirky, interesting, and they have an audience. A good, no, they're not like massive, but they have a, a, a decent audience, like a, in in the tens of thousands each episode. So it's a it's a solid audience. With uh, with certain brands, they give you a sort of freedom. Of, Why don't we do something together? With IQ, we did something quite experimental. So it's a sort of we travel to to Sweden to their mm. headquarters, but then we also created a a sub which is basically humanity wakes up one day and all their shelves have collapsed, all their billies and all their Ikea <laughs> shelves have collapsed. And so uh, all the uh, screws that are in their shelves have been uh, kidnapped. And so <laughs> me and the sound designer, our job is to get them back. And getting them back takes us to Ikea. It takes us to, and we travel the archaeologist. We go back in time. Oh my gosh. The archaeologist describes uh, a bunker in the 70s built a nuclear bunker built near Stockholm where you, where you go inside and it actually looks like an Ikea
0: oh my gosh and
1: so making all these sort of weird interesting connections and brands are really digging it like um, so far we're doing the stuff like that and they're digging it they're just saying eh, we're not going to become rich out of this because but it's bringing in money and it's bringing in interest and yeah. again going back to with bloom people listen to it and they're like Oh my God, I've had so much fun. You've entertained me. And I don't feel like you've sold anything to me.
0: Right, which is so important. I and there's something about that too. I mean, a brand that's willing to dip their toe into that is a brand that I want to support, really. You know, it's it's somebody that's saying, and it goes along with Ikea. I'm just thinking of IKEA and their television ads and their kind of tongue in cheek. They, they, and they're the the product they bring in, they'll try something. And it feels like they're doing it for you. They're doing it to bring you the customer along to to do something that's going to make you smile or interested or brighten up your life in some way, whether it's product or, you know, what you're listening to. So how how wonderful. Do you hope to do more with an English speaking market? Yeah, so
1: obviously, our main focus is the Spanish-speaking world. It's a huge market. Although I say it's a huge market, but sometimes people, it's not as sort of uh, porous, maybe, as the UK and the US market in the sense. Or maybe from the UK perspective, I've got more knowledge of the UK. Yeah. US products to you know enter the the the, the UK um, mm. uh, sort of cultural um, landscape much quicker. But um, you know, in Latin America, some of the accents are different and some countries don't listen to the same thing, but it is still 450 million people, you know, who speak the language. Yeah, so it does sure. give you so that's our main focus. However, we are so open to doing more stuff in English and also as a small company based in in a in a smallish company country compared to states, I think it's key to like be open. Like the important mm-hmm. is like a good client doing interesting stuff. So if you can, if the good stuff can can attract other good clients um there might not be enough of those good clients in your country so like spread your wings and see if you can connect with other people so yes of course of course we'd love to do to do more although we don't want to lose that focus we think there's right. so much to do in that in, that, in right. that world
0: i think it's about finding the right people to work with right so if they happen to if they happen to align and be english speaking then then we'll just get to hear it in english exactly <laughs> exactly right. exactly Oh, my gosh. You know, I feel like Marcus said, I have a million more questions, but it's, we've we've taken, I don't want to take all your day and all our listeners' day. What's next, do you think? Do you have projects on the horizon you're really excited about?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we've got a couple. So this is the nice thing when, um, the, the good thing about Bloom is it, it can, no one had done something like that in, in the Spanish-speaking world. I don't think it's been done much in the English-speaking world anyway. I don't think so as either. Well but um so it brought certain clients who were like we want something like that so mm-hmm. obviously first thing you say, okay something like that it's not going to be exactly like that but at least right. they understand they want fiction so we're working on a couple of really interesting fictions uh for brands and one of them i'm really excited about because it's with a it's sort of sci-fi and it's with a really really good spanish speaking writer like a script writer he's oh, nice. amazing so that i'm really excited and another one is something quite out of the blue that some people i would worked with again going back to that network you have five years ago we created an animation series in argentina which worked they got in touch and they said hey we've got this really cool idea for a podcast and at first i was like "Ah, argentina sounds a bit like not really our our remit and then i started listening to it i thought oh my god the story's so fun so Without revealing too much, it's about um, something that happened on TV, this like really polemical moment on TV, which ended up being the biggest meme in the country. Oh, gosh. But the concept behind the program is digging into the backstory, like saying, wait a minute, it's not just a meme. It's not just a fight. Behind it, there is there were issues of tax evasion, anti-Semitism. Oh, feminism, wow. um, corruption, etc., etc. And so from that meme creating. And so the story was so cool. It was so interesting. Both of us are small production companies. We're not really doing it to make money. It's more like we're putting our resources yeah. together. And that's out in September. And I think they feel like it's going to work really well in Argentina. And I'm really excited about doing something uh, different, something. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. Let's oh, well, that. stay
0: tuned for that. And I really think often when when it comes from a place of you're fascinated about it and it's coming from the heart, that's when it really sings. It shows up in a whole different way. Sure.
1: And one amazing thing about um, podcasting is that we one of the focus we're going to have is some of our things being uh, taking them to TV. So we have had an offer with one of our shows. Mm. Uh, we're working on how to take it there. And what's so beautiful about it is that, as I said before, architects or movie producers, they can spend years and years and years trying to green light a project. Mm-hmm. Whereas with podcasting, you can do it in less than a year. The the money you need is, obviously, the, the budget is substantial, but much smaller than mm-hmm. the movie production. And, and a lot of people are looking at what's going on podcasting and finding stories to then adapt because it's like – a it's like a place where you can experiment, where failing is not as uh, painful. Right. And there, I think we're going to see some really, really interesting things in the next few years.
0: Oh, gosh. Well, I can't wait to to see. We knew you when. <laughs> <laughs> Tell our guests, our listeners, where they can find you. Where they can find so, Bloom and all the things. Yeah, I'm
1: useless in my, in my personal accounts. And actually, that's partly like a... A, a personal decision of saying, yeah. you know, what I don't know social media. So I know I did be-
0: want to ask you about that, but I, yeah, I think, I think we've all kind of just, it's too much, you know.
1: Exactly. I, I feel like the the moment I really started ignoring social media on a personal level, I've done my best work, and I think mm. I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people are finding the same thing. You know, what mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. I'm not saying everyone should do the same thing. I think some people handle it really well. Yeah. And other people need it and other people do it beautifully. But in certain things it's it's the best decision.
0: I think so, we need but, to find what works for all of us, right? Exactly. Uh
1: so I think the best place would just be in and in, on Instagram, Alexarodinario or or you know alixtardinario.com. I think that's where I feel like where best place to find the kind of stuff I'm doing. Perfect.
0: Um, well, it's all in the show notes. And I have to ask before we finish up. Who's inspiring you these days?
1: Who's inspiring me these days? Good question. Um, damn.
0: I know it changes on you know, so the you say, Like,
1: Tell me like music you're liking. You're like, I know I like a lot of music, but right now no one's coming. <laughs> now, um, I think what's most inspired me recently is actually 19th century literature, um, mm-hmm. early 20th century. So especially one writer called Henrik Ponto de Pan. So he's a Danish Nobel Prize winner. He wrote a very famous book in Denmark called Lucky Pair. Pe- Lucky Pair. And um, the book itself was only uh, translated to English and Spanish around about 2012. So he was very much something um, reserved for the Danish and the Scandinavian market. And he's just absolutely brilliant. I feel like literature now, the, the, the contemporary literature is a bit, very fast it doesn't really d- delve yeah. deep into yeah and just that ability to just dig deep into the characters and to, to i find amazing yeah. and um, when you find something like that you just i'm so happy i'm sure it happens right. to, to you. you you find something wow i'm loving this and you're just like enjoying every moment because you know when it's over you're going to take a while to mm-hmm. to, um, to find something like it i
0: think those are really the best will you say his name one more time
1: Yes. So it's Henrik and Ponto de which It's a bit of a a weird It's P-O-N-T-O-D-I-P-P-A-N. And the book is Lucky Pair. It's it's a masterpiece. Excellent. And um, it's a good example of the problem sometimes in Anglo-Saxon culture where I've grown up is that we have such a strong media landscape and so much cultural uh, capital. Sometimes a lot of these amazing things, which are just as good as what we have, are sort of forgotten because they're not—they don't have the marketing or they don't have the name. So right. it's good to keep an eye out on these things, and also to not be snobby about them because yeah. uh, sometimes, and wow. even you know, the English can be a bit, oh, well, you know, down there in Spain. But like, there's amazing stuff happening exactly. outside of America, and the U.S.
0: Oh, please! And there's the UK, so the UK. much. Yes, I—I yeah. th- I just think I'm so grateful, I must say, for social media, for making the world smaller and making us aware of a lot more of the creative genius that we can get our hands on and and just see and experience because it's everywhere. Thank you so much for just explaining more about your passions and what you're doing and introducing our listeners to Bloom and all that you're doing. And I just, I can't wait to see how it continues to shine and bring all of us so much more to learn and be fascinated with. So thank you.
1: Oh, no, thank you. It's, I've had a blast and it's, you're, you're like a really good interviewer and um, oh, it's just nice to talk with, with like-minded people. And as as Richard Feynman said, like to learn something, teach it, you know, so I'm not, I'm not saying that this is a class, but at least expressing some of the stuff I do helps you reflect and helps you think and sharing with other people do in the same kind of, Uh, world just, you know, makes things uh,
0: fun and great. Thank you. I, I do think that conversation and ideating is where that next thing comes from. So I appreciate it. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.